wanna be a starving artist. I don't wanna be a starving artist. I just want to find a way to live. Hi, I'm Anna Eastley, and welcome back to Starving Artist, the podcast about art, money, and how we are going to combine those things. If you've not visited us before, I created this podcast so that instead of sitting at home, looking at artists killing it and wondering, how the hell did they do that? I could instead ask them how the hell they did it and then share it with you guys. This episode is a really great example of that because it's with Frances Cannon. Frances is an artist from Melbourne who's most well known for her black and white illustrations of women and the accompanying messages of body positivity that go with them. I've followed her for the past year or two and have seen her work just blow up online, particularly on Instagram, where she currently has a following of over 100,000 people, which is up from two months ago when I recorded this interview with Frances when she had about 90,000 people. In case that figure means nothing to you or you don't really know that much about Instagram, I'm, I don't know, sort of popular on Instagram. I mean, to the point that people recognize me in the street and I have 3,000 followers. So Frances has over 30 times as many followers as me. So you can imagine it means that the scope of what she can do is pretty different. For some context, because we launched straight into talking about Instagram, Frances finished her university degree just last year And off the back of her Instagram following, she's been able to launch straight into earning a full-time living from selling her work online. Not a mean feat. (laughs) In this episode, we talk about how she found and developed her online presence, her top tips for artists who want to use social media to sell their work online, and how she's preparing for the possibility that Instagram might one day die. Just a quick note before we start, in the first half of this episode, we talk about Instagram and how Frances created her social media megafauna. And in the second half, we get into the nitty gritty breakdown of how she makes a living through it. So if you are a nerd like me and you like stats and demographics and percentage breakdowns of income streams, make sure to stick around for that. Let's get straight into it. Here's this week's episode with the queen of Instagram, Frances Cannon. So nowadays you have like a really big following on Instagram. You have like, is it almost 90,000? Nearly 90,000 followers, which is crazy. That's so many people. (laughs) So crazy to know that that many people watch my everyday life and like my work and follow what I do and stuff. It's amazing. Like I never thought it would be like this big in so little time, you know, like I'm still just a little gal. We spoke on the phone and you said that you felt like this had actually been kind of a fluke. Yeah, well, it was like, I don't really know how the algorithms work on Instagram or why certain people get really big and and, because like I have friends who have equally as good artwork and work equally as hard, but theirs hasn't taken off. And I'm not saying that I'm better or they're better or anything, but it's just like something about my page took off and I don't know what the algorithm or like how it worked out that way. But yeah, 
the mysterious ways of Instagram. (laughs) That's it. That's definitely it. So mysterious. So can you take us back to when you first had Instagram? Your account was just a personal account, right? Yeah. So I started Instagram after my 21st birthday, which was when I first got my first iPhone, my first smartphone. So I started Instagram and it was just a personal account, just like heaps of selfies and like overused filters, you know, like that really orange filter that everyone was using a couple of years ago. Like everything was just like high contrast, orange. So have you gone back and deleted any photos? Because I know that some people, they have a personal account and then their personal account gets really big and then they go back and they retroactively curate their younger self. I haven't actually gone back and deleted anything. I guess if I like had a, maybe if I posted something like a little bit, because my obviously my like way of thinking has grown up. So if I posted something that was a little bit like sketchy and young sounding, maybe I would have edited that out. But in terms of like bad pictures, I've left them all up. They're just all just there for the world to see. I think that's actually a really great resource for other artists or young people or whatever. I know Lena Dunham still has her first films that she made up online. Yeah. And it was really helpful to see them to be like, oh, this is where you started. Yeah. Yeah. I personally love scrolling other artists or uh, musicians or whoever's pages to see if they have curated theirs or not and to see if it just stops abruptly or if it keeps going and you can tell which year they're posting in and stuff like I love looking at that and it's really interesting to see like people's growth as well and in terms of artists it's cool to see how their art style has changed because my art style has definitely gotten better and changed quite a bit as well because I practice heaps and I post a lot as well so you can definitely see like the evolution of my art as well which I think is interesting for whoever wants to have a gander but it's a long scroll though (laughs) long scroll you gotta work out that thumb muscle (laughs) so you had a personal account and then it changed into Francis Cannon what happened in that process so I started posting more artwork which I think is the was the beginning of it getting more popular I still post heaps of selfies, but the majority is artwork that I post. And so I started doing that as I started finding my personal art style as well, because I did a Bachelor of Fine Arts and the first two years I was very explorative, didn't really like know what I wanted to like create my practice on. Like I didn't really know where I was going to go as an artist and stuff. But come third year, I started drawing what now people know as my work and really came into my own. And so that's when I started posting heaps of art because I really felt really confident because I found what I was really passionate about. And so I started posting lots. So that's when it started growing slowly at first and then started growing quicker and quicker. The more people see your work, the more people are telling people about your work and then it just keeps flowing and more people keep seeing it. So you said that it feels like a mystery to you, but is there anything that you feel like you actively did to encourage that process? Yeah, like a little bit. I think when I first had Instagram, I wasn't thinking about followers at all. Like it wasn't even on my radar. I was just posting what I wanted to post. But I think once I started actively posting art and making it into a more art account, and once I was sort of nearing a thousand followers, my first thousand followers, I started thinking about followers. So prior to that, I hadn't really like given a damn, but then I started thinking about it. So one of the things that I did was I I did my first giveaway, which I don't do as much anymore. I feel like it, occasionally I'll do one if people are like 
keen, but I don't feel the need to do it much anymore. But it did help me out when I was first starting to do a giveaway because it's just an active way to show that you care for the people that are following you and also a way to get your name out there because they repost, like I said, repost any drawing and then at the end of the month or when I reach a certain amount of followers, I'll do a giveaway of a few prints or a drawing or something. And then people got excited about sharing my work. And so that's a good way to just sort of kick it off. Yeah, well, I think that for you, having watched how you control your Instagram empire, um, (laughs) I think that you clearly mostly post work and then sometimes you'll do a giveaway and it's more kind of in support of the work that you do because I suppose you don't want to come across as pushing your own product too much, yeah. I suppose. I definitely have followed some accounts who do that more and you can tell that they're trying to get more followers or that they're trying really hard to put themselves out there. And like, I think you need to have a balance. You need to have a balance of just wanting to share and then a balance of wanting to get your work out there, if that makes sense. Oh, I totally understand. I think I followed someone the other day and they seem really cool. And then the first three posts of them were them talking about this transformation program thing like VIP transformation program thing and that was like the first three or four posts were exclusively about that and I was like "Uh, actually I don't really want to see a lot more ads (laughs) yeah 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 and like where I am now I am getting more requests from people who want me to like advertise their stuff and most of the time just like "Mm, nah because I don't want to be that kind of account where you're not sure whether they're like like for real or whether they're just showing something because they're being paid to that kind of so I've never done any paid posts like what kind of places are like please we will pay you money and like how much money do they offer to pay you none of the ones have like actually stated how much money they've just said this could be a paid post but one of them which I find is really funny because it's just so obviously not something that I'd be interested in was those flat tummy teas they wanted me to like try their tea and <laughs> and like post about it and I was just flat out like no <laughs> like why would I be like interested in that when my whole page is all about accepting the body that you have and like not taking this detox tea that doesn't do anything except makes you poo you know like (laughs) why would I be interested in promoting that on my page so so I said no to that but that's the kind of like an example of the kinds of things that bigger Instagram profiles get asked yeah it's amazing because yeah as you said it's literally the opposite of what you are about so what about hashtags should we be using hashtags do you use hashtags I don't personally use hashtags unless it's like something like the Black Lives Matter movement or something that has a really important hashtag or like a giveaway occasionally I'll use hashtags for that but most of the time I don't find that they help me and I don't think they help most people because so many people use hashtags now that if you enter into like the art or like illustrator hashtags there's just so much content that you would get lost and you wouldn't really like no one's going to find you through that I don't think so I think it's better just to don't worry about hashtags just worry about what you're actually putting up like putting up good content putting up good work or good photos I think that's more important or interesting stuff like if you're not a photographer or if you're not an artist but you're putting up thought-provoking things I think that's more important than hashtagging every single thing and what about if you are an illustrator 
and like putting your name on your work because stuff gets reposted so much. There's this thing of like, do I put my name on my drawing so that when someone reposts it, even if they don't credit me, the person could still find me? Because for you, you kind of go in between. A lot of your drawings don't have your name on them. Some of them do. Can you tell me about how you decide? I didn't really decide to do things that way. It sort of just happened that my first drawings, I didn't bother putting my name on because I didn't have that many followers and no one was reposting. But they started getting reposted and stuff. And for me personally... I'm just forgetful and I just forget to put my name on. I'm a little bit lazy. And also I've gotten to the point where my work is fairly recognizable that I trust that people will will call people out if they are reposting without my permission or like without crediting me and stuff. So for me, it's a little bit different, but I do think that it's important to keep an eye on who's reposting and where your work's getting to and stuff and just like have a bit of an idea because you don't want anyone stealing your work but I don't really have a problem with people reposting my stuff on Instagram I think that's sort of what Instagram is for so I'm I'm, I'm fine with that that doesn't bother me but it's when like bigger brands or like people with huge Instagram accounts are reposting without crediting that's when it becomes an issue for me but if it's just like a teenager who is trying to love herself and is reposting a body positive image and forgets to tag me like that's totally fine I think that's really important that she's able to do that yeah of course because your work is you know it's artwork but it's also it's in the in-between space between art and advocacy so part of it is about making I don't know if you feel this way but I feel like part of the thing about the work is about making it accessible and that means people reposting it and sharing it because it's about sharing those ideas yeah yeah and for my work especially it's important that I'm okay with that that I react positively to people reposting these drawings or these ideas that I'm posting about because that's what it's all about it's all about those ideas being shared and for particularly fat girls who are struggling with their body image to be able to access. So that's what my work is about at the moment anyway. As an artist, it's bound to change eventually, but that's where I'm at at the moment. So yeah, it's important for accessibility and for me not to like jump on people and be like, you didn't tag me. Like that would just counteract the message that I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm interested in what you say there about changing as an artist when you amass such a big following around like a really concise message yeah I've really found something that I'm really passionate about so I think even if my art style or the things I talk about change a little bit I still think that I'll always be interested in the female body and bodies in general and all those things are always going to be something that are a big part of my life because that's what I deal with personally so I always think I do think those ideas will always be in my work so I'm not going to change drastically and start doing pet portraits, even though I love pet portraits, but that's not like where my passions lie. So I don't think it'll change that much, but like it's bound to go through it, the shifts of me growing up and experiencing different things as well. And those will start being filtered into my work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think it's um maybe for me personally, just as I've gotten more of an audience and I'm nowhere near Francis Cannon levels. But, you know, like, as I know more people follow my stuff, it makes me worried that the new fear is that it will go away. Yeah, I definitely have thought about that. Like, there's also been um, talk 
like I've seen a couple of news articles recently that the internet's going to crash in the next 20 years or something and the internet's going to like be overloaded and that idea totally terrifies me. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen, but yeah, but there's also like the possibility that in the next few years, Instagram won't be the main social media anymore. Like there'll be something new that everyone's using. Like at the moment, Instagram's the main one and Twitter a little bit, but I feel like Twitter's for like old angry men as well. (laughs) And like Facebook's so old school now. And Instagram is my main platform. Like my Facebook following is nowhere near where my Instagram is at. How many people are following you on Facebook? I think Facebook's only about 4,000, but that's because I don't maintain it as well as I do my Instagram. So that's my fault. I want to say to that, that actually sometimes choosing one platform and dominating that platform is the way to go. Yeah. I think because I have so many different feeds, you're kind of half in seven places rather than being completely there and kind of with the people who were engaging with your work more fully. Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel more of a community on Instagram. Like I know the followers who have been there since way at the beginning and stuff and I don't have that same feeling with Facebook. Facebook's my only other one. I've tried Twitter but I don't like it. (laughs) Um, It works for me just to be Instagram focused. But yeah, as we were going going back to the idea of Instagram sort of not being the main social media anymore, I am aware of that. And I think for me, just to stay sane, I have come to terms with that possibility. Like I'm not freaking out about it as much as like I could be like, oh no, like I have to like make sure that I stay Insta famous forever. Like I think that it's more important as an artist at least to broaden my eyes and focus on real life stuff as well. So for me, alongside doing Instagram and doing online stuff, I'm also trying to apply for shows and try and do as many like markets or shows or like real real life things as well, just to make sure that like I'm at least a little bit known as an artist in the real world as well as online. So if the internet does drop out, (laughs) eventually I'll still have a little bit of a mattress to fall on of of real life stuff absolutely there's this thing that people talk about I don't know if you've heard of it it's called diversifying your income streams Mm -hmm. so diversifying your income streams basically means having income from different sources so that say if one kind of falls over you've got other stuff but I actually like to think about that not just in terms of money but also in terms of diversifying your emotional income streams and I think for that it means like thinking about what bolsters you and your work both financially emotionally creatively and trying to find a few different sources so that you have a kind of level of safety or at least that you're not relying on one thing yeah yeah so for me I'm always applying for shows and I I I'm a yes, I'm a yes girl. I say yes to everything. Well, not everything, but most things I say yes to just because I, I I know that that keeps me going and that keeps me challenged and keeps me creating. So at the moment I have quite a few like group shows and a couple of solo shows that I'm making work for in the next few months. And that's keeping me so much busier than if I was just relying on Instagram or my online shop. Because these shows, I might not make any money off. I'm coughing up quite a bit of money to be in them, but they will look good on my resume in years to come. 
yeah, it's good for me to be focusing on a few a few different things, even though I go crazy a little bit sometimes because I my calendar gets filled up with all these different things. But at the same time, that's keeping me challenged and making sure that I get up and work every day. Whereas if I was just doing Instagram, I'd just be like, eh, I don't need to do anything today. I'll just make a cute post and that'll be it. Like that'd be a terrible way to live. For me, at least I would not survive. I would go crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good point because sometimes for me as well, I have to take a break from social media because you can get caught in the game because it's totally gamified and absolutely addictive. Yep, definitely. I've definitely had days where I've been caught up in it and have just spent the entire day refreshing my feed, like whether it's like a comment battle that I might not even be part of, but a comment battle in one of my posts that I'll be like checking up on. I'll just be like, oh my God, what's happening? Or some days I'll just be really like obsessed with getting more followers or something like, yeah, I definitely get caught up in the game sometimes and having these outside things that are nothing to do with Instagram, keep me stable, you know? Yeah. That's actually a really great point. I'm wondering, cause I know that I do this and I try not to, I don't look at how many followers I have cause I know that then it will stay in my mind. And then if I post something and I see like, I remember I posted a picture of my butt this is a few months ago and I think like 20 people left and I don't care except I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, I don't want this to be in my life in this way. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had those moments and I try and actively think about that as in actively go against that way of thinking is what I mean. What I lose followers for is if I post too many selfies. So if I post one selfie, I'm usually safe and people will get excited to see my face that day or whatever. But if I am really feeling myself and post three selfies, then I'll usually lose quite a few followers. Sometimes it'll drop a number. As in like a thousand, is that what you mean? Or maybe like a hundred followers. I've never lost a thousand followers. <laughs> I think feel like I'd have to do something pretty intense for that to happen. But I have to just decide... When that kind of thing is going on, I have to actively think about why I'm posting those images. So, for example, posting three selfies because I'm feeling myself that day. That's a positive thing that I'm feeling confident and feeling happy. And it doesn't matter if those people found it annoying. Like at the end of the day, my Instagram is still for me, even though it's such a huge platform now and so many people watch me. It is still my personal space as well. So yeah, I just have to like prioritize in my mind. I sometimes I get it wrong and I care too much about those 20 or so people that get annoyed with me that day and I start obsessing about it, but I try and be conscious about the unhealthiness of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as you get more of an audience, you actually just have to back yourself on those minute decisions more and every day yeah yeah it's like a full-time job (laughs) but yeah you have to um be able to be my own support and to know that I do these things for a reason whether it's post a selfie or say a certain thing that might be controversial like certain kinds of posts attract certain kinds of trolls as well and I have to remember that those people don't matter and that it's I matter and the people who like love my work and are influenced by me, they matter more so than the trolls. So I have to like keep that in mind, whatever I post, but also it's important not to overthink things too much, which is kind of hard when you have 80 plus thousand people watching your every move, but it is important to not overthink things because otherwise it just 
becomes too stressful and it won't be fun anymore because I still find it fun, which is, I feel like that's amazing. But <laughs> if I overthink it, it won't become fun and it'll just become like a stressful thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I am genuinely impressed that you still find it fun, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's mainly to do with um, the people who do follow me and majority of them are really similar to me like they are on the same sort of thinking plane they're really positive and really uplifting people and we're able to have like conversations via the internet but there's still conversations and that's what makes it still fun for me is that the majority of people who do follow me are really really lovely people who appreciate my work and who I appreciate their input as well so for me that's really important for other um instagrammers or social media big names that might not be something that they necessarily think about which is totally fine but for me um that that's what makes it fun for me yeah it's amazing how much this stuff has changed in the last few years Mm. i think i'm only three years older than you and instagram wasn't around when i was in art school i did a bachelor of fine arts and i finished in 2011 Maybe it was around and I wasn't on it. I think it came out 2013. It was sort of started coming big. So yeah, you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it just would have totally changed like freaking everything. Yeah, Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But I want to know what your kind of advice is to young people that are looking to use something like Instagram to share their work. And what have you learned from now having a gigantic account so my personal advice if you're wanting to start up an instagram especially like an art instagram i'll give a few tips i think filters don't bother with filters just post images without over editing i think over editing it starts to look a bit fake but obviously it's to do with your personal taste as well but that's my input on that um and also post a lot post a few times a day post like different kinds of content By different kinds of content, what kind of thing do you mean? If you're an artist, post like different images, post a few different drawings a day. I think coming from an outside perspective, when you go and look at someone's Instagram, it's nice when they have a lot to look at. When it's like Instagrams who might have like 15 posts, then you sort of like, you stop and then you're like, oh, that's all they have. So I think it's good to post a lot. And then that also means that you're more likely to be seen certain kinds of posts these people might like and then another post these people might like so like you're getting different audiences and stuff like for me I'll post like the more more gentle self-love kind of images like the girls holding themselves and holding flowers and those those are liked by this group of followers but then some days I'll post like or maybe on the same day who knows, I might be on a roll. I'll post like a really like powerful, like angry woman who's like angry at the patriarchy and whatnot. And that attracts another group of followers. Sort of expanding what you do and stuff is helpful. And then I think it's good to, for me, it's worked out in in my favor to have myself on my page as well. So to have selfies or have like photo shoots or, or anything just of myself because it makes it more personable and they know who's making the work. And I personally like to follow accounts that do that as well, that you know who the artist is and you know to an extent what their life is like because then you start to be able to read the work more clearly as well. Are these good tips? I don't know. <laughs> I think these are great tips. And also I think that so much of it is subjective. Like. Yeah when you're talking about posting pictures of yourself, 
I think you're right. I love seeing the person who makes the thing. And then at the same time, I know that sometimes as a person posting photos of themselves, sometimes I don't like it when people recognize me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being recognized as like a part of my everyday life now. (laughs) It's sort of too late for me to to like back off on the selfies. So now I just embrace it and put selfies because like people could scroll back and figure out what I look like unless I if I deleted all my selfies then maybe no one would recognize me but that's part of my life now so I guess some some people wouldn't wouldn't like that would rather be like a little bit more anonymous and and that's fine but in my personal experience I've found that people have responded well to me being on on the page the one thing that I've really gotten from talking to you though about how you engage with your Instagram is actually that the best way to go about it is to make sure that it's still fun for you. Well, that's important for your sake as well as like the the look of the page. Like that doesn't even matter, but like your own personal health and mental health and enjoyment is the most important part. Like I've known a few people who have decided that having social media just makes them more anxious, makes them, they dread it and they, they really hate it. And I think that it's important for them to decide like maybe that it's not right for them. And I think that's totally fine. And in terms of how your Instagram looks, you can tell if someone's enjoying it, I think. And you can tell whether it's like they're just doing it for the sake of it as well. Um, or at least I can. I'm a I'm an Instagram veteran though. So <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, it's definitely important to make sure that you're still liking it and enjoying it and you'll post better stuff when you're into it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So in June 2016, you got what is now a very famous tattoo, which was by Gemma Flack. So you got a tattoo that said self-love club can you tell us what is the self-love club so I had invited my friend Gemma to come over and do a stick and poke for me and I was trying to decide what I wanted to get and I had done this drawing of a girl who had a tattoo of self-love club so it actually started as a tattoo on a drawing and then I decided oh that's really I really like those words I came up with them but I, I sort of hadn't thought about it as deeply but I I looked at those words like that's a really cool set of words and that's a cool idea I'll get her to tattoo that on me so Gemma tattooed it on me and and then I I was like oh it would be a cool idea to post this and to invite anyone who sort of liked the idea or liked the tattoo to get it as well so I posted it and I came up with the club rules which are now like they've they've gone viral as well so I posted it with the rules and can you tell us what the rules are you must always show yourself respect love forgiveness and understanding you must show each other respect love forgiveness and understanding you must be kind to your body and you must take care of your mental health so those are the club rules of the self-love club yeah so I posted it and I was thinking maybe like 10 or 20 people might like it and get the tattoo. And I was like, oh, this will be a nice little cozy club. We can do get togethers and and stuff. But it just blew up. In the next like six months, I'd say was the main period of it blowing up and getting really popular. Yeah. So it was featured on like Huffington Post, Vice, BuzzFeed and like all over Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like it was probably about four months in – ish and I'd say probably about 20 20 to 30 people had gotten the tattoo 
at that sort of point. So it was a fair amount of people. Now it's been heaps more. How many people? I'd say at, that I know of at least 100 to 150, but the internet is a big place. Like I'm sure there's heaps more who don't know that I started it and stuff. So I'm sure that there's like hundreds, I'd say. Yeah, so it was probably about like 30 people had the tattoo when like <laughs> when the big website started taking interest. So it was featured on Huffington on BuzzFeed. Someone made a video. I think it was just like a small Facebook page, but they made a really cute video about me and about the self-love club. It's funny that the video was the thing that like my family were like, oh, because <laughs> like even though it wasn't that big of a page, because they made a video, like my not arty don't really get that stuff family, but they saw a video and they were like, oh, this is big, <laughs> even though it, be- it had already been posted on like HuffPost, which is like a huge platform. Do your family understand how famous you are on the internet? Um, I think they sort of do now. My mum totally gets it. My dad's a little bit, he still doesn't quite understand. And like my extended family, a lot of them don't have Instagram. They don't quite get it. And my like grandparents are still always like, so when are you going to get a job? And I'm like, I've got a job. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. They don't, haven't quite clicked yet. I'm not sure when they'll click. Maybe when I die. (laughs) And they start reading all of these like Let's not go there. I was yeah. going to say obituaries from all over the world. So that's a bit sad. <laughs> not, not yet, hopefully. <laughs> um, so you, you went really hashtag viral. What does that do for you financially speaking? Yeah, so with the self-love club, it was a little bit like it's a hard to attribute words to someone. So I think that the self-love club got way bigger than I can even comprehend. Like a lot of people do know that it started with me, but a lot of people don't. So self-love club in itself didn't do that much for me business-wise. They don't have to pay for like the the text or anything like that. So in that sense, not much. But I think just in terms of like the self-love message, message is such a boring thing to say, but anyway, the self-love thing that I'm spreading, that I'm trying to promote, the self-love club and the tattoos and how um, popular they've gotten have really helped that. So like having this community of people who have like committed to self-love is a really cool thing to like know that I sort of helped start. I'm not going to take all the credit. Obviously it's to do with each individual and their personal life and their personal beliefs and journey, but I have a little bit of sprinkle of love that I put there does that make sense so that in that way just like knowing that I started this big community that has this shared tattoo and the shared commitment to self-love that's really cool but in terms of financial stuff it hasn't done anything really yeah and I mean I imagine that you would probably do it again anyway like you know because it's because yeah you kind of made something that's really special Mm -hmm. and not all of it is about getting paid yeah but I'm sure that more people found your work through that project. I think so. Like, I think some people like maybe got the tattoo without realizing that it was me. And then maybe their friend was like, oh, Francis Cannon started that. And then maybe they would look at my work and stuff. And also being featured on big websites like Huffington and Bustle always helps with people seeing your work. Not necessarily like the right people. Like you'll get trolls from that stuff as well. But yeah, it helps with the broadness of, yeah. And did you see like a really big increase in terms of the size of your audience on Instagram? And do you know what the difference was? 
not really from the self-love club one, but when I was um, featured on Huffington Post just as an artist, there was a bit of a jump, but I don't know the exact numbers. But yeah, definitely being featured on websites like that does help with your your reach and the amount of followers that you might have or the amount of people seeing your work. It definitely does help, yeah. I'm just fascinated that it seems like this huge thing happened and it kind of became the internet's own, you know, as in like, it's amazing that it happened. It's really great that it happened, but actually you didn't really necessarily, in terms of like creative career progression, it wasn't as big a deal as you might assume from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people who like make a meme video and that that's not like gonna help their career. That makes sense. Like it's just like an internet sensation. So um, the self-love club has sort of become a bit of a meme, I call it. I, I'm not going to let that word lessen its value. Like, that is what it is. It became an internet thing. And so that didn't help me career-wise in that sense. Um, one thing that I am, like, taking from it is I'm, I am putting on a show about it in the next couple of months. So I think of this as a way of sort of getting a bit of closure about this thing that I started that has sort of become its own entity in a way and that I don't have control over anymore so getting a little bit of closure making it something that I can put on my resume and making a bit more like a bit more real if that makes sense and not just an internet thing so I'm having a show and having a zine launch where I've asked people who have gotten the tattoo to send in photos of their tattoo and to send descriptions of why they got it and I'm putting those all into a book and I'm having a launch for that And this is just a way for me to sort of let go of it and let it be its own thing now. I can have my have my show, have my moment of acknowledging this cool thing that I started. You make a damn good point, which is that you can have like all the Internet coins or whatever, but often really hard to translate that to a normal artist CV. My artist CV is all over the shop because I haven't done the normal shows and stuff like that. Because so much of my stuff is really amorphous and online. Yeah, I think it's easy to get caught up in the online stuff and then real and then let too late you might realize that oh that doesn't look that amazing on my CV, which is really annoying because I think it should count for something. But the art world is a bit behind still, I think, and they don't really see being Insta famous as an artistic notch in your belt, you know. And that also comes down to like what kind of artist you want to be and what kind of art world you want to see yourself in yeah it it all depends on where you want to fit in the art world as well so some people may may want to focus mainly on social media and like do all of their like let's say they they do an art book and they want they do the release over the internet and they do everything on the internet and that's totally fine and that's a feasible way of being an artist but like I want to be a physical artist in galleries as well. So I am trying, I'm taking, I've chosen to take that pathway. So I'm trying to use my Instagram platform to aid that because I've had one or two galleries who have found me online, who have asked me to show, as well as me applying directly for shows as well. Obviously I get denied a few as well. (laughs) Like I'm I'm not accepted to every single show. Francis Cannon gets rejected? Never. (laughs) Of course. Um, Yeah, but, like, I want to be, like, a, a gallery-exhibited artist. That's what I've always wanted. That's always been, like, my career goal. So I've chosen to use Instagram just to, to aid that. 
And I would still be trying to be an exhibiting artist, even if I didn't have a big Instagram, like that's my dream. But yeah, it depends on what each artist wants to do with their career and stuff. And using just social media is viable as well. It's a fine career choice. Yeah. Yeah. You're reminding me of David Shrigley, like David Shrigley is an, he's an artist. He does a lot of drawing and his work could just as easily exist online, but he is very much a gallery artist. He's also a lot older. So social media is in terms of how old he is. I think he's maybe like forties or fifties. Instagram is really, really new. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like I look at David Shrigley's Instagram and he's got like, I think 30 or 40,000. So I've got more followers than him, which sounds crazy to me because he's shown at like the NGV and, and stuff, which is like not in, in my reach. That won't be in my reach for a long time or never and other artists who would also read really well on like Instagram but they've taken the like Lunig Michael Lunig he's got like 2,000 followers or something on Instagram which like makes me really like sad because I just want people to know that he's on there because I feel like if people knew that they would follow him but yeah but he's like he's huge he's like a fantastic artist who's done so much in his artistic career. So what we've learned today is that Francis Cannon beats both David Shrigley and Lunik on Instagram. Yep, yep. <laughs> Winner, winner. I, I'm so I'm embarrassed at that, though, because I feel like I don't deserve to have more followers than them. They should have more. I don't know. Why do you feel like you don't deserve it? I just like they're older and they're artists life and career has been so magnificent that I feel like more people should know that they're on Instagram that's all like yeah yeah. sure yeah also artists don't tend to like any artists don't tend to get more than say 200,000 I've found like I haven't found many artists that have sort of surpassed that I'm sure that there might be one or two but like like musicians and actors and stuff like that get way more but artists sort of hit the top at like two or three hundred thousand which I think is interesting that's interesting I've never noticed that before yeah. even tattoo artists tend to like surpass that but like drawing artists sort of get stuck at around three I've found yeah it's weird I don't know why <laughs> weird uh good to know where the upper limit is yeah. if, at the moment <laughs> yeah so like if you do hit like 50k as an artist that's amazing like because that's pretty high like Unless you're like the mega, mega, mega artist that's hit 300K, like 50 is pretty good. If you're an actor and you have 50,000, that's like nothing. It's weird. (laughs) It's weird that way. (laughs) You're totally right. And you're making me think like Filthy Ratbag, who's a great, I don't know if she'd call herself an illustrator or a cartoonist. I'm not sure. But um, she has like, I think like 180,000. I'm excited to see where she goes because I know know her um, personally. We're not besties, but... Maybe someday we will be, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's amazing to see her growth because I started following her when she was at 20,000 and I think her work, as opposed to mine, her work resonates with a wider age range, whereas mine tends to, like I've looked at my like graphs and charts on Instagram and the main age range that follows me is between 18 and 25, I think. That's like the majority of my followers and they're mostly women, whereas Filthy Ratbag her followers are like from all um 
walks of life and from all ages and I think it's like fairly close to 50 50 male and female I think it's because it works funny and like satirical and people like that whereas soft lovey-dovey stuff like mine doesn't appeal to as wide of an audience if that makes sense and just to explain all those graphs and stuff are available to you on Instagram if you change to a business account you mm-hmm. can get all these insights about like where your followers live <laughs> how old they are yeah. the gender all that kind of stuff which is kind of useful to know yeah. but probably you don't want to get wrapped up in too much nah like i only just realized that i had access cuz i had a, i've had a business account for maybe like I think I switched about three or four months ago. So it hasn't been that long that I've been on a business account. But I only realized like about two weeks ago that I had these graphs and all this information about where my followers are coming from. And it's really interesting, actually, because I always thought that the majority of my followers would be Australian. But actually, it's US is the highest percentage on where my followers come from, which like I was like, oh. Okay, so, and like the age range, it sort of surprised me a little bit. Like I thought maybe more older women would like my stuff as well, but it's appealing more to people my age. But I guess that makes sense because all my work's very personal and it's about me and I am the age that I am. And then like the male and female percentage of followers is really funny. It's like 91% female, 9% male. It's like huge difference. So like not many boys are following me. Wow, like I expected there to be more women, but that is much, and that's a much more stark split than I expected. It's phenomenal. It's huge. Yeah. Which I I like that. And I know that there are some non-binary women and trans women who follow me as well, which makes my heart feel so warm. But cis men aren't interested in my work, but that's fine because I'm not making it for them. So (laughs) know your audience, know your audience. (laughs) So I want to move on to talk about where you're at now. Can you tell me, in terms of your situation, what's been changing? There's been big changes for you because you just finished honours. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I finished honours. So that was my fourth year of uni. I finished that last November. And so I had a little bit of a break, moved house, and now I am a full-time artist and I'm freelancing and I'm trying that out. It's only been two months or so that this has been like my job and I was on Centrelink when I was a student so I was getting government support as well as getting a little bit of money from my art all legal I I reported all my earnings and stuff so that's all chill but yeah this is my first bit of life just doing art and my only income is my art so we're we're seeing how that goes like it's still very new and I'm curious I don't want you to tell me like how much you're earning because that's private stuff. Yeah. And also there's a lot of judgment, you know, like it's yeah. really difficult to talk about how much you earn as an artist and not have people look at you differently. Yeah. But I'm curious, do you think that you will need to get a normal job anytime soon? I think for the moment I don't need to, but I am open to it maybe needing to happen in the future, whether like there are expenses that I didn't foresee coming that happen that mean I am not earning enough or if Instagram fails or whatever. I am open to getting a normal job, but for the time being, I am earning enough that I can pay rent and I can live just from my art, which is incredible. I did not expect that yet. I wasn't expecting that to happen first year out of uni, but it it seems to be going okay right now. So, But I am open to because art is so 
and being a freelancer, it's, it it fluctuates and um, you have successful times and then you have times where you're not earning as much. So like I'm open to that and I know that's a possibility. So, but yeah, for the time being, just art is enough. That's fucking amazing <laughs> that you just um, finished honours and now you're going straight into freelancing. I just want to appreciate that because I think it can be really difficult to appreciate your wins sometimes mm-hmm. because there can be like a bunch of guilt associated with it so like are you like "Ah!" yeah um josh my partner called it survivor's guilt the other day which i guess is a good way of explaining it like i get a little bit guilty that i i've made it this far but maybe my friends who are artists haven't hit this point of success yet but i will give myself a little bit of credit because i did work really hard during my uni and during my honors i started getting more famous halfway through second year so it was halfway through second year third year and honors that I was like had a bigger audience and I worked really hard as well as trying to excel at uni I was also saying yes to everything that I could say yes to and trying to do as much as I could outside of uni as well to make sure that I had a bit of a standing once I finished uni so I worked my butt off to get to where I am. So I will give myself a little bit of credit, which is really hard for me to do because I do I do get guilty about it sometimes. And that's just how we are sometimes, you know. But yeah, so that really helped me to have a bit of an understanding that I could do it once I finished uni because I had worked so hard. And like I was taking like a couple mornings a week before going to uni, I'd fulfill like my big cartel orders and stuff like that. And I was like, basically doing uni as well as working a full-time job whereas now I'm just doing the the job which is like it's it's a lot easier even though I'm still really busy but it is it is easier like so it's not just just out of uni fresh and all of a sudden I have all these followers it's I did it through my uni degree as well can I give you a high five yay yay (laughs) because I think it's I think it's freaking amazing can you tell me so what do you make money from now What's the breakdown of your income streams? I have my online store, which most of the time I just sell prints on. Occasionally I'll release t-shirts or bags, stuff like that. But those require another person to help me do those. So those require like a printer, someone who like screen prints, stuff like that. So that's more energy and takes more time. So that's less often that, that I do that. So most of the time it's prints and I try and keep those sort of in circulation like have some new ones have some old ones so there's my store and then I take quite a lot of tattoo commissions I probably do up to 10 10 a week would be an average eight to ten a week sometimes more sometimes less because my my line work anyway not my watercolor work but my line work translates really well into a tattoo and people have been responding really well to those tattoos and so I get quite a few of those and Those are the main sources of my income. Occasionally I'll have like a paid job, like a paid illustrating job. For example, I did three illustrations for Refinery29, which was paid. It wasn't mind-blowing money, but it was paid, which was nice. And then coming up, I have a yen cover, which was paid. But that's like maybe 10% or less of my income would be like random paid jobs like that. But mostly it's tattoo commissions, or other commission work and my store. And stuff like the collab that you did with Third Draw Down, would that be included in that 10%? Yeah, yeah, like collabs like that would be in the 10% as well. So with Third Draw Down, 
do you get paid like a flat fee or is it a percentage of sales or it's going to be a percentage I haven't been paid for that one yet and it's not a huge percentage either it's just like reasonable even though I, I really enjoyed that collaboration and I really like working with them and I really love the work that they do with other artists as well I'm not going to be doing heaps of stuff like that at least for the time being, just because I like to be more in control of my money and in control of how much things are being sold for and stuff like that. Like I'm a bit of a control freak (laughs) in terms of like my own art anyway, which I think is fine. So 10% is commissions and one-off things. Yeah. And then 90% is your big cartel store and tattoo commissions. How are those two split up? Is it kind of even between those two? Those are fairly even because my my prints, they're pretty cheap. Like they're pretty affordable for most people. Like obviously not everyone can afford, but for most people, they're pretty affordable. They're not like super expensive, but for commissions, I have to charge a bit more because it's a one-off drawing that I'm doing for you. So in the end, it ends up being fairly even. Like I'll get heaps of orders of prints and I only get a handful of tattoo commissions, but they end up still equaling about the same income amount. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. Like, I think your prints are really affordable. And I think that really harks back to kind of what you're about, which is like you're in this space between art and advocacy. So it makes sense that you want to make your work really accessible because your prints are all about $25 each. Like they're all $25 each? At the moment, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And how much are your tattoo commissions? My tattoo commissions at the moment, they're $85, but that might get higher as I get more busy and stuff. Depends how many I'm able to take in. But at the moment it's $85, which I think that's fairly average for like that kind of thing. Like I've I've known some artists to charge more. I've known some to charge less. I'm kind of in the middle. Did you just ask people how much they charge to work out what your pricing was for that? Sort of. I didn't want to go for the time being. It may, it may change, but I didn't want to go over 100 and I didn't want to be under 50. So I sort of picked a middle ground, yeah. How many like things do you sell from your store like in a week? So it depends on the week because I'd say on average between 20 and 50, but it really depends on what I have on my store and whether I have new things on my store because whenever I release new prints or if I release new products, there's like a huge boost of people who are buying stuff. It's just because it's something new and exciting, particularly anything clothing, those sell out within a day because they're really exciting and I don't do that much. So those weeks it'll be heaps, but majority of the time it's like maybe 20 plus. And how often do you release something new? That depends on how busy I am. Like if I'm really busy with other stuff, it will be less and I'll just have my old favorites just available because there's certain designs that will always sell, which is really cool. Like the body with all the arrows pointing that say beautiful. Like that's one of my best sellers. I don't think I'll ever get rid of that one like I won't have that out of stock ever because that sells really well but yeah like if I if I have more time to focus on my store then I'll try and release new things like I really want to do it'll probably be mid-year after all my shows are finished but I want to do some more t-shirts and stuff and I want to release like a few because I've only been able to do like one design or every six months or or more like it's been fairly slow but I would like to break more into that but I need to find someone who does screen printing who wants to work with me because I don't do it So if anyone out there wants to work with me screen printing, let me know. (laughs) I'm sure you will get many offers. (laughs) The other thing is like you kind of got to balance out like 
I mean, you were kind of primarily there to share your work. And the store stuff is a freaking amazing byproduct. Yeah. But if you turned it around and were like, yeah, it's all about the store, then you might kind of oversaturate it as well. So there's kind of a balance of like, you don't want to be like releasing new stuff all the time and just like advertising new things that everyone can buy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to like, well, maybe in the future I will decide that I maybe like being a gallery artist doesn't work for me and that I do want to do more like products and stuff. So maybe in the future, but for the time being, I don't want it to be all about the products. I want it to be more about the drawings and for people to relate to the drawings. And then occasionally I I might release those as a print and then those people who connected with them can buy them, that kind of thing. But I don't want it to be just about my prints and stuff. And are people mostly buying like one print? Yeah, most of the time it's like maybe one or two. Occasionally I'll have a bigger order, which might be like five prints. It hardly ever goes over like five or six. If someone orders like 10 prints then I'm like, whoa, that's like a big surprise. But most of the time it's one or two, yeah. And do you like make them all yourself in your studio? The prints I get printed with, I just use Officeworks. Officeworks, shout out, woohoo. <laughs> um, their black and white prints are pretty good. They're, they're good quality. I wouldn't use them for color. I'd find someone who specializes for stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, I find that their quality is up to the standard that I want it to be and their paper is good. And because I'm just, at the moment, I'm just doing um, just A4 prints on pretty thick paper like that's all I need but soon I would do want to start releasing more limited edition nicer quality like better paper better prints and for that I would choose a smaller company and work with them but yeah I'm not I'm not a screen printer or I don't do printing myself very much yeah that's so much stuff that's actually like so much stuff that you're moving every week yeah (laughs) how long does it take you uh, I'd, I'd probably spend at least two days a week focused on just packaging and sending stuff. Wow. <laughs> that's like quite a lot of your week. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's not even emails. Can we talk about emails? That's a big job. <laughs> oh yeah. Tell me about your emails. I'm terrified of my inbox. Yeah. Are you also? I'm so scared of my email inbox. I can go through it and get a huge amount of emails done and get down to like three emails. And then by the next day I'll have 30 or 40 emails and it's just like crap, like ASOS or like some website that I forgot that I subscribed to. So those I just have to like edit out. But then like majority are things I have to um, reply to, like whether it's for collaborations or people wanting tattoo commissions or people wanting a quote for their like high school project or something which I usually say yes to so yeah it's a big 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 job (laughs) I don't know if you're in this situation where like a lot of people because your work really speaks to them are emailing you and it's really personal stuff yeah and then the guilt of um, not being able to handle all of those yeah yeah so like not all the time because I feel like the majority of the more personal comments they send me on Instagram but yeah occasionally I will get like a personal email and I try my hardest to respond to those as well as I can whether it's just like a thank you that was really lovely for you to say or whether it's like more in-depth response I do try to because that's them taking extra effort to email me rather than just commenting on Instagram. So I do try and answer those. But yeah, I do feel a little guilty sometimes because 
I'll go days where I don't check my emails just because it's such a big job and I'll like leave it for leave it for tomorrow and then I'll feel guilty that I like maybe missed something that should have been like a quicker response so yeah that does happen (laughs) (laughs) I feel like in summary I'm really surprised to really know that like Instagram is kind of it is a focus but you're not focusing all of your energy on that and it sounds like that's a really good decision for you personally both creatively as an artist and also for your mental health yeah yeah definitely like as an artist I feel like if I was just focusing on Instagram I'd probably be making just the black and white drawings and the occasional colored in one. And I feel like my artist practice would be really narrow, but because I'm focusing both on that, because those drawings are really important to my practice, but I also do like the bigger inky splooshy ones that don't translate as well on screen. They're more in person. So because I'm doing, I'm trying to do shows and stuff as well. That means my artist practice is much broader than it would be if I was just focusing on Instagram. So as an artist, for me, that's really important. And then like mentally, it's good for me not to be on, on my phone the entire day because I'm on my phone quite a lot as it is. But like having other things and having collaborations with other artists or having shows to work on or doing podcasts gets me off my phone. So like that's important for my mental health as well. Yeah. Yeah. How much are you on your phone every day? Um, a fair bit, <laughs> especially because I'm working from home as well. So, oh, the new Instagram live feed stories have, they're really fun. Have you tried those yet? It's kind of like Periscope. You can have just like a live yeah. video. So I imagine that you can just turn it on while you're working. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. I think I've done it two times now where I've just like put it beside me while I've been doing a painting. And like, it's still technically on my phone but it is like a nice way to connect with people while I'm working which is really cool but yeah like because I am home alone a lot I do tend to go on my phone a lot because it's a way of connecting with the world but probably more than I should be but having all this other stuff does help me not to do it 100% of the time so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah totally do you have any last words pieces of advice for people walking into the Instagram realm with their work oh one thing that I haven't said yet I think As an artist, it's good to remember that your work isn't defined by how many followers you have. I think people can get caught up with the follower count and think that like if they have 100 followers, that must mean they're not a good artist, but that's not true at all. And your art is your art. And if you're passionate about it, even if not many people know about it, you're what matters and like your work is fine without thousands of followers. Yeah. I think that's important to remember as an artist. Yeah, and I think the other thing to remember is that some things work better online. Like some people's practices work really well on Instagram. Like, you know, some work better on Twitter, some work better on Instagram. Some don't really work well on social media at all. And in some ways that can be a really difficult thing to come up against sometimes and decide how you want to be an artist in this new world where we connect with people in these new ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have some fabulous artist friends who maybe work in performance work or they do video work, which requires you being in the space. And that obviously doesn't translate well onto social media, but they're still fantastic artists who are getting somewhere in their career without social media. So Your art practice doesn't have to be defined by social media is my end comment. Yeah. 
You do you. Yeah. You do you. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for giving me so much of your time. I really appreciate it. Yay. And thank you for being my first podcast, my first <laughs> official podcast. So exciting. <laughs> very, very happy to be your first podcast. <laughs> me too. <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode. And thanks to Francis for being so candid about how it works on the other side of the Instagram feed. If you want to look up anything from this week's episode, check out the show notes either in your podcast player or at starvingartistpodcast.com. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can find Starving Artist online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As I mentioned in my update last week, I'm starting a new segment where I'll be getting the smartest people I can think of to answer your questions. So if you have a question you'd like answered, you can at me on Twitter with the hashtag AskAnArtist and I'll see what I can do. This episode was edited by Lance Turnbull and Peter C. Hayward. The intro music is by yours truly. And this show was made possible by everyone who supports me on Patreon. If you'd like to be part of making sure there's a second season of this podcast, you can do so by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Honor Eastley. Love and getting stuck in an Instagram hole filled with other people's perfect lives, but then finding your way out of it and in the process finding your new favourite artist. Thanks for listening. Bye.